0: so last week then we began talking about the du'as, the different types of supplications that can be done after the prayer, after you've done the final taslim. We're going to add a few sections like we said from the book of Shaykh al-Uthaymeen rahimahullahu ta'ala, the Prophet's Prayer Described of al sheik al-Ithaymeen rahimahullahu ta'ala he mentions that at the end after you've done all of the supplications and the readings of the prayer and you've done the final (coughs) dua where you are seeking refuge from the four things that we mentioned last time seeking refuge in Allah from the punishment of the grave and the fire, the hellfire, the trials and tribulations of life and death and the Dajjal, the scholars, they differ over the ruling of that particular dua at the end of the prayer some scholars they say it is an obligation to read that du'a after you've done the rest the tashahud and then Allahumma salli ala muhammad after that some scholars say it's an obligation to do this du'a Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-qabr all of this an obligation some scholars say others they say It is not an obligation of the prayer, but it is mustahab. And that is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. The majority of the scholars say, it is recommended that you do that dua at the end before the taslim. However, the other opinion saying that it's an obligation is A very strong opinion though you should note. It is a very strong opinion saying that it's an obligation to read this dua at the end of the prayer. Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned the obligation of doing this dua in one of the narrations from al-Imam Ahmad in his madhab. And some of the companions of Al-Imam Ahmad also took the opinion that it is an obligation to do this du'a at the end of the prayer. And shaykh al he mentioned, bihi min nas Many people are slack and they don't do this final du'a in their prayer تجده إذا صلى على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مع أن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم أمر به والأصل في الأمر الوجوب ومع أن خطر هذه الأربع عظيم فكان حريا بالمرئ يتعوذ بالله منها في كل صلاة That many people they are slack with making this final dua in the prayer, even though the general rule is that if the Prophet commands you to do something, then the rule is a command equals obligation. That's the normal default. Whenever you see a command from the Prophet ﷺ to do something in the sunnah, then the default meaning of that is obligation. Unless there are other evidences or factors that may indicate that on this occasion, this command is only for al-istihbab, for recommendation rather than obligation. But if you do not find any other factors like that, the origin is that a command equals an obligation. So, it's a very important dua, the Sheikh says. You are asking Allah to give you refuge from great trials and tribulations and punishments. So, every Muslim should strive to make this dua at the end of the prayer. Then he mentions, after you've done that du'a, ثُمَّ يدعو لِنَفْسِهِ بِمَا أَحَبَّ مِنْ خَيْرِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ Then, you make du'a for whatever you wish from the goodness of this world and the afterlife. Make your du'a for whatever you wish thereafter, meaning after you've done all those other supplications, but before, but before what, the final taslim, after you finish reading all of these things, but before you give the salam, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah, Assalamu Alaikum, before you do that. Take that final slot, that final moment before the taslim, to make your own dua for whatever you wish of the goodness of this world and the afterlife. فَدُعُوا اللَّهَ بِمَا جِئْتَ So make dua to Allah for whatever you wish, لِأَنَّ مُجَرَّدَ عِبَادَةَ Because... The very fact of making du'a, just making du'a, is an act of worship. Just making du'a in of itself is an act of worship. Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ اُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ that your Lord said, Uddhuni astajib lakum. Call upon me and I will answer you. Inna lavina yastakbiruna an ibadati. Those who are too arrogant and haughty, arrogant and haughty to do my worship. And the worship here being referenced is. Du'a. Those who are too haughty to do my worship, i.e., the du'a, then they will enter hellfire. So Allah commands us here to make the du'a, and He will answer and rebukes those who are arrogant and haughty and do not return back to Allah in making du'a. So as shaykh Al-Fayyim says, this is a prime opportunity. To make du'a at the end of the prayer before the final tasleem. وَإِنْ شَاءَ دَعَى فِي الْفَرِيضَ وَفِي الْنَافِلَةِ And if a person wished, for example, he could make du'a for his parents, make du'a for his parents in the obligatory prayers, in the supererogatory prayers, ويدعو لِمَنْ أَحَبَّ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ أيضاً، and makes dua for the one whom he loves from the Muslims also in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه in Al-Bukhari it mentions ثُمَّ يَتَخَيَّرُ مِنَ الدُّعَاءِ أَعْجَبَهُ إِلَيْهِ فَيَدْعُوا and in some copies, ثُمَّ That after you've done all the other readings, then let him choose the most beloved dua to him and let him make that dua. Choose the most beloved dua to you, that which you wish for, and make that dua at the end. Hadith in Al-Bukhari. And in Muslim, ثُمَّ يتخير بَعْدُ مِنَ الْمَسْأَلَةِ مَا شَاءُ أَوْ مَا أَحَبَّ Then let him choose after that, after all the readings, let him choose whatever issue he wish, wishes to ask for, or whatever he loves to ask for, and that he should make that dua. Wa يَصِحْ أن بشيء يتعلق بالدنيا. It's completely okay also to make dua for some worldly affair. You may be making dua for some worldly affair and that is allowed. You be, you may, as Shaykh al Thami mentions here, be making dua for a new spacious home you may be making dua that Allah provides you a new spacious house or Nadifa, a clean nice car or that you are blessed with a pious wife all of these different duas they are permissible to be made no problem from the affairs of goodness in this world and in the afterlife because the Prophet وسلم, said to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Anhu, Ajabahu The Prophet said let him choose the most beloved dua to him and make it. Make the dua that you require, even if it be from these worldly affairs, as long as it is from the halal and from the good, then you're free to make that dua. There are some scholars who say that the dua made here should only be relating to religious affairs, not worldly affairs about the car or the house, etc. But that statement is a weak statement. It is a weak position as Shaykh Al-Thameen mentions here. Rather the hadith is open. Choose from the beloved dua to yourself. So that may be some worldly affair. Your home, your car, whatever it is. And it's permissible to make dua with those affairs. (coughs) Despite that though, the Shaykh does say, You should strive to learn the authentic du'as that are mentioned in the sunnah already. So that you can use those original actual du'as and read them. Du'as that are comprehensive for the goodness of this world and the afterlife. Those types of du'as if you learn them then you can use them also and that is good. Then the Shaykh mentions, وَيَنْبَغِي لِلْإِنسَانِ إِذَا كَانَ يُحِبُّ أَنْ يَدُعُوَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ أَنْ يَجْعَلَ دُعَاهُ قَبْلَ أَنْ يُسَلِّمْ He says, it is befitting that a person who wants to make dua to Allah, that he should make it before giving the final taslim." بَعْدَ أَنْ يُكْمِلَ التَّشَهُّدْ وَمَا أَمَرَ بِهِ النَّبِي صلى الله عليه وسلم مِنَ After you finish the other readings, the Tashahud, and then Allahumma salli ala muhammad and then Allahumma in bika min al when you've done those readings, then you do this Dua, all of this what we're talking about, the Dua is done then, before you give the Taslim, before you finish your prayer. وبذلك نعرف أن ما كثير من الناس اليوم كلما سلم من التضوع ذهب يدعو الله عز وجل حتى يجعله من الأمور الراتبة والسنن اللازمة. فهذا أمر لا دليل عليه وسنة إنما جاءت بالدعاء قبل السلام. The says. We know therefore, and we realize that what many people have taken as a habit these days, that as soon as they give the salam, they finish their prayer, then they start making their dua. As though it is a sunnah of the prayer. As though it is like a sunnah of the prayer. You give the salam and straight away start making dua. That is not a sunnah of the prayer. That is not how it is done. There is no evidence for that. The du'a is done in the prayer. فَالدُّعَا بَعْدَ salah Dua after the prayer غَيْرْ مَشْرُوع Making du'a after the prayer, whether after the obligatory prayer or the superrogatory prayer, then it is not established, it is not legislated to do that. What's better is that your dua should be before the salam. عَنِ النَّبِيِّ عَلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ It is narrated that the Prophet was asked, اَيُّ الدُّعَاءِ أَسْمَعَ Which du'a is the most heard? Meaning the one that is most likely to be answered. قَالْ جَوْفَ اللَّيْلِ الْآخِرِ الْمَكْتُوبَاتِ When he was asked in this hadith which is in a tirmidhi Which Dua is the most heard? Meaning which is the Dua that Allah will answer the most likely? The Prophet ﷺ said, al Laylil Akhir The last section of the night, The last third of the night, The last section of the night, And when you make the Dua at that time meaning, and Dubur as Al-Maktubat. At the ends of the obligatory prayers. In the last depths of the night. The last third of the night. To arise and to be upon Ibadah. To pray, to make dua at that time. Very likely to be answered. And also at the ends of the prayers the question though is what does this hadith mean that the dua most likely to be answered is in the last third of the night that's no problem that's clear but then the second section is and at the ends of the prayers the dua that you make at the ends of the prayers what is the end of the prayer? When is that? Is it before the final salam or after the final salam? Because the hadith just says at the ends of the prayers. At the end of the prayers. Is that referring to before the final salam though or after the final salam? So there is a difference between the scholars as to what this narration indicates. The dua at the end of the prayer. Does it mean at the end of the prayer, i.e., the last part of the prayer, that's the end of it, before you give the salam? Or does it mean at the end of the prayer, i.e., after the prayer, straight away after the salam? That's the end of the prayer. Which one does it mean? There's a difference between the scholars. And a sheik al-Athameen, he mentions what is correct, what appears to be correct, is that it means the end of the prayer, i.e. in the prayer at the end before the final salam. The last part of the prayer before the final salam. That's the end of the prayer. And that is backed up by the other narrations, like the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud, عنه, that the Prophet ﷺ said, like we mentioned, ثُمَّ ليتخير مِنَ الدعاء ما شاء, That after you've done all the other readings, then let him choose from the dua that which he wishes. Meaning before the salam. So these types of narrations would indicate, that the du'a is therefore done before the final salam. Then, when you actually make that final salam, the taslim, it is done to the right, and it is done to the left, and you say "Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah." And it is mentioned in the Hadith of Jabir ibn Samura in Muslim, yakfi an fakhidhihi, thumma ala man ala wa shemali. That it will suffice one of you that when you put your hands on your thighs in your final sitting, your hands are on your eyes and then give the salam upon his brother to the right and then upon the one to the left. And that's why you sometimes see the people mistakenly doing what? Turning around and actually shaking hands and shaking hands. The narration doesn't refer to physically shaking hands it is referring to simply giving the final taslim. When you turn to your right and give the taslim, you are giving it to your brother to the right, technically, and then to the left, you are addressing or talking in the direction of the one to your left. So it doesn't mean physically shaking the hands, but it's simply giving the taslim in both directions. It mentions here "Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah," and the sheikh says if you were to add وَبَرَكَاتُهُ to the first one on the right occasionally then that is okay mentioned in the hadith of Abu Dawood uh, of Wa'il ibn Hajar. and when you do it as well when you give the final taslim and you move your head to the right and to the left it should be done fully That you move your head fully across, so that the whiteness of your cheek is apparent and then move it fully across the other way, your cheek is apparent, not just slightly and slightly, but as much as you are able physically uh, uh, to move your head and to bend it to the right and then move your head and bend it to the left, properly onto the shoulders where your cheeks then become apparent apparent this way the cheek, and that cheek apparent that way, and this cheek apparent that way, the cheeks are apparent. That is the way that it should be done, uh, the, the taslim in movement of the head. Without moving the body, without moving the physical body, your whole body, but just your head. The head is moved in that direction, the head is moved to the other direction. It's mentioned in a hadith, a hadith of sa'id ibn Abi Waqqas, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ كُنْتُ أَرَى رَسُولَ اللَّهِ يُسَلِّمْ عَنْ وَعَنْ That I used to see the Prophet giving salam to the right and to the left until I used to see the whiteness of his cheek. So he would obviously be praying in behind the Prophet in the rows. So the Prophet was moving his head so far in the salam that the cheeks could be now seen at the back from the rows behind Questions? What about if you're praying alone? What do you mean? You still have to give the final taslim. The point isn't that there has to be somebody on your right or your left. You still have to give that final taslim regardless. It's not particularly mentioned regarding where the eyesight is. So it's not a big deal there as to where the eyesight is. It could be anywhere in that direction when you're giving the salam. Those kinds of movements, there's nothing specific mentioned in the sunnah about any movements. But simply that you take it to the right and you take your head to the left. And as we know as well, there are some narrations indicating... That you can just give the final taslim occasionally just to the right. One taslim, and that is mentioned by al-Sheikh al-Albani and the evidences for that in his version of the Prophet's Prayer described, in his explanation of the Prophet's Prayer described. So then after that, you've given the final taslim. Then you go on to the supplications that follow. And this is what we were talking about last week. So here as al Femini mentions from the supplications after the Taslim, is to seek forgiveness. So you say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. You say that three times. Three times, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. And also it's mentioned in the hadith of Thawban that the Prophet Sallallahu when he finished his prayer, he would seek forgiveness three times. Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. And then he would say, Allahumma Anta salam wa Minkas-Salam tabarakta ya dhal jalali wal ikram. That we spoke about last time, last week we covered it. We mentioned that dua, Allahumma anta salam wa minkas salam tabarakta yadal jalali wal ikram. And Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned in a hadith in Muslim. أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا سلم لم يقعد إلا مقدار ما يقوله or ما يقول that the Prophet sallam after giving the salam he would only sit stay sitting for as long as it took him to do all of the supplications then he would move from the other supplications mentioned عن المغيرة بن شعبة رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ كَانَ يَقُولُ That the Prophet used to say at the end of every obligatory prayer. Again you can see in the narration it says, he used to say this dua at the end of every obligatory prayer. hadith is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ but what does it mean fi duburi kulli maktuba? Before the final taslim or after it, when it says Dubur Kulli Salatin Maktubah at the end of every obligatory prayer? Does it mean before the salam or after? We just spoke about it about five minutes ago. We mentioned the scholars, they had a difference of opinion about that. There are some scholars who may say it means before, and some say after. The stronger opinion is, and what's more correct is, that it is before the final taslim, Because of the other narrations that indicate that to like the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه ليتخير مِنَ الدُعَاءِ مَا شاء. Then let him choose whatever dua he wants to make. When? When let him choose? After you've done the other, after you've done the other supplications. When you've done the tashahud. And you've done Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. And you've done Allahumma in ya'udhu bekeh min 'adhab al-qabr Then it says choose whatever dua you want to make. So right now where are you? You're still in the prayer. You haven't given the salam yet. So that is the most strongest opinion. So this dua then is La ilaha illallah, wahdahu la shariqa lah, lahul mulk wa lahul hamd, wa huwa ala kulli shaykh padheer. Allahumma la mani'a li ma'a'atayt, wa la mu'a'atayya li ma'a'manat, wa la yenfahu dal jaddi minkal jadd. That one I think we briefly touched upon last week also. This dua, La ilaha illallah, that there is no deity worthy of worship and truth except Allah. Wahdahu la He alone without any partners. That is an emphasis of the shahada. You have emphasized the kalimah of the tawheed You've said La Ilaha illallah and then you've emphasized it again by saying Wahdahu la sharika lah. Lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu kulli shayin qadir." To him belongs all the dominion and all the praise and he is all capable upon everything. Allahumma la mani alima a'atayt wa la that there is nobody who can prevent what you give and nobody can give what you prevent and it will not benefit anyone his ability, wealth, anything nothing will suffice him and benefit him away from you so that is a dua that can also be done at the end of the prayer before the final taslim. Similarly, you have from Abdullah ibn Az-Zubair, رضي الله In this one he mentions that he used to say, at the end of every prayer, at the time of giving salam. Again, does that mean after giving salam or before the strongest Evidences indicate before giving the final salam. La ilaha illallah. Wahdahu la sharika lah. Lahu al-mulku wa lahu alhamdullahu wa ala kulli shay'in qadir. La hawla wa lahu illa billah. La ilaha illallah, wa lahna'abudu illa iyahu. Lahu al-ni'matu wa al-fadl wa lahu al hasan لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْكَافِرُونَ This, كَانَ رَسُولَ اللَّهُ يُحَلِّلُ بِهِنَّ دُبُورَ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ That he used to recite this at the end of every prayer. These du'as, like we said, there can be dispute as to whether it's before the taslim or after. Many of the scholars say, dubur of the salah means before the salah. Salam. But yes, these du'as can be made, these supplications as general readings can be done after the final taslim. These general supplications can be made after the final taslim. Also, and Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, that the Prophet ﷺ used to seek refuge at the end of every prayer with these words. اللهم إني أعوذ بك من البخل وأعوذ بك من الجبن وأعوذ بك أن أرد إلى أرض للعمر وأعوذ بك من فتنة الدنيا وأعوذ بك من عذاب القبر رواه البخاري إن البخاري حديث سعد بن أبي وقص that the Prophet ﷺ used to say oh Allah Indeed, I seek refuge in you from miserliness. I seek refuge in you from miserliness. And I seek refuge in you from cowardice. I seek refuge in you from cowardice. بِكَ أَنْ أُرَدَّ إِلَىٰ And I seek refuge in you that I should be returned back to the, the stage of life that you are, you are losing your abilities. When a person becomes old, they begin to lose their abilities. So the Prophet used to make du'a that he do not end up in a state whereby he loses his abilities as a human does so as he gets older. And also, أعوذ بك من فتنة الدنيا That I seek refuge in you from the trials of this world. وأعوذ بك من عذاب القبر and I seek refuge in you from the punishment of the grave. Then in another hadith, in Abu Dawood and An-Nasa'i عن mu'adh bin Jabal رضي Anhu Anna أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال له يا Mu'ad والله إني لأحبك. وَاللَّهِ إِنِّي لَأُحِبُّكَ That, O Mu'adh, the Prophet ﷺ said, O Mu'adh, by Allah indeed I love you. By Allah indeed I love you. أُوسِيكَ يَا مُعَاذ I advise you, O Mu'adh, لَا تَدَعَنَّ فِي دُبْرِ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ تَقُولُ Do not leave off at the end of prayer from saying, Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatika. That, O Allah, aid me upon your remembrance, upon your dua, and upon gratefulness and thankfulness to you. And upon the perfection and goodness of worship to you. The Prophet told Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Do not leave off, don't forget to say these words at the end of the prayer that, O Allah, aid me upon your remembrance and dua, aid me upon gratefulness to you and thankfulness. And aid me upon perfection and goodness in my worship to You. Then also, An Muslim ibn al Harith al Tamimi. That the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم asked him, "If you have left the prayer of Maghrib, say." That when you leave the Maghrib prayer, then say. So this is definitely after the salam. Allahumma ajirni minen nar. seven times. Oh Allah, protect me from the fire seven times. Seven times. Fa'innaka izha kulta thalika thumma mutta fi laylatika kutiba laka jiwarun minha. And if you were to then die that night, protection for you from the fire would be written. وَإِذَا صَلَّيْتَ الصُّبْحَ فَقُلْ كَذَٰلِكَ فَإِنَّكَ إِمْ مُتَّ يَوْمِكَ كُتِبَ لَكَ جِوَارٌ مِنْهَا And similarly after the fajr, say that. After the fajr prayer. Because if you died during that day then, you will similarly have gained protection from the fire. These narrations, this one is in Sunan of Abi Dawud. Akhrajahu Abu Dawud fi adab. Baab ma إذا أَصْبَحَ In Sunan Abi Dawud, the chapter of what a person says when he arises. It's in Sunan Abi Dawud. There may well be some discussion over the status of the narration. Because we know the Sunan, in the books of the Sunan, not every single Hadith is absolutely authentic. And that is not because of the weakness of Al-Imam Abu Dawood or Al-Imam Al nasai or Al-Imam Al tirmidhi or Al-Imam Ibn Majah. It is not because of their weakness, they didn't know that these narrations are weak. Some of them may be. But some of them, even though they knew that there is some speech regarding the narrations, they would still put them in. But why? Why would they put hadith into their books? Sunan Abi Dawood al tirmidhi ibn Majah al-Nasai Some hadith they put in there knowing that there is some speech about these narrations and their authenticity. Others maybe they didn't realize and the change they had or whatever. But sometimes they knew that there is some issues there. But they put the hadith in anyway. Al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim never did that. How come the rest of them did it? In case it's true but that's a bit risky then you're telling people this is a hadith and it might not be. Let the people know what? But they didn't necessarily always do that though. They didn't necessarily clarify every single narration. Imam um, Tirmidhi often does. It Sometimes, but not every single narration. But what was their reason though? Option to do it? What if it's weak? How is that an option then? Maybe sometimes, but you have to understand, and this is what comes into it in studying properly, talabul ilm, students of knowledge, when you're going to study more and more. When it comes to studying books, it's not just about studying a book, just like that. You have to understand who the author is and why he even wrote the book in the first place because every author writes their books for different reasons. Every author writes their books for different reasons. Imam al-Bukhari he wrote Sahih al-Bukhari, or he put together all of those hadith with the purpose of making sure that this is a book full of just pure, authentic narrations. That was his objective. Was that the objective of al-Imam Abu Dawood, for example, or al-Imam al nasai They never said that these books of hadith are like what al-Imam al-Bukhari did or what al-Imam Muslim did. Their objective was different here. The objective of imam Abu Dawood and the other books of the Sunan was to highlight the various Sunan that people have relied upon for the conclusions they've come to. So now there may be some Madahib, for example, this narration right now. Some of the Madahib, they may say, absolutely, it is a Sunnah to read this Dua after the prayer. Some scholars may say the narration is weak though. But if you come across these madhahib saying that's a dua you're supposed to read, then it may be required for a student of knowledge to know why this particular madhhab has come across this opinion, where have they got it from. So Al-Imam Abu Dawood put those narrations into his sunan so you could see the reason why Certain mathahib have come to the conclusions they've come to. He is showing you, look, there is this hadith. It may have some issues with it, it may have some weakness with it, but that's the hadith that they use to claim their position on their mother for this that the other. So it's more like an encyclopedia in that way, that you have access to the different narrations that are used, the different Sunan that are used, by the different madhahib and the schools of thought you have an understanding of what their sources are and where they got these positions from that was more kind of the objective of Imam Abu Dawood and the books of the Sunnah to give you a type of encyclopedia in the affairs of the narrations and the hadith that are used in understanding fiqh they may not all be authentic but their purpose isn't that their purpose is to show you what is used by the people used by the madhahib, and if there is speech in those narrations, that is another affair to clarify. So this narration, as shaykh al-Bani, others, they may consider this narration to be weak, and it may well be the case that the narration is not authentic. So if that be the case and it is established, this dua would not be recited at the end of the prayer but for the scholars who consider it to be legitimate and sufficient in authenticity they will say, it is a dua that can be read in those situations you look at the narrations, you look at the statements of the scholars and you make a judgment to the best of your ability where you see something to be correct for the ones who aren't, then you follow whom you trust from the scholars in their judgments and certainly a Shaykh al-Albani is somebody trustworthy in his judgments and hadith without a doubt so that is another one of the supplications after that there are also other supplications famous ones of course after the prayer that you do are. when you say Subhanallah Alhamdulillah Allahu Akbar so that is done after the takbir Question is, how many times do you do it? Thirty-three. So, Subhanallah thirty-three. Alhamdulillah thirty-three. Allah Akbar thirty-three. So you're saying, you're saying, Subhanallah thirty-three. Alhamdulillah thirty-three. Allah Akbar thirty-four to make a hundred. You said subhanallah 33, alhamdulillah 33, allahu akbar 33, that only makes 99. So you're saying the 100th is <laughs> la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah, lahul mulk wa lahul kulli shayin Qadir. That makes 100 then. Okay. Both of those are correct. So you can say subhanallah 33, alhamdulillah 33, allahu akbar 33, and then... That makes 100. Or you could say, Subhanallah, 33, Alhamdulillah, 33, and Allah Akbar just 34. And that makes 100. Done. So it's either that combination of 33s and then that dua, or 33, 34, uh, 33, 33, and 34. There are other combinations too. 10 so 10 subhanallah 10 alhamdulillah 10 allah thank you you've seen it with your own eyes long time ago with your very own eyes Huh? what about this first 10 10 10 okay too so to say it ten times each is correct your eyes did not deceive you 10 times subhanallah 10 times alhamdulillah and 10 times allahu akbar that is a combination that is allowed to and then 25 is a combination mentioned, but how does 25 work? Subhanallah, 25. Alhamdulillah, 25. And also in there, La ilaha illallah, 25. And then at the end, Allahu Akbar, 25. So altogether how many combinations there? Four possible combinations. And this is what is known as, At-Tanawwuh. Not at This is variation within the Sunnah which is all permissible. It is variation that is all permissible. It is not a case of contradiction. It's not like okay, one hadith is saying 34, 33, one saying 25, one saying 10. Contradictions. It's not like that. These are examples where the scholars speak about as variations within the Sunnah which are all allowed so these are four variations they're all allowed you wouldn't do them combined one variation after the prayer you don't do one variation then start again and do another variation and start again do another variation one of them after the prayer next prayer you could do a different variation yeah. I don't know of that. these are the four that the sheikh mentioned I don't know of the other combinations if there are others the question now though is how do you do the reading one thing a shaykh al-albani did mention it's got to be done carefully and slowly not subhanallah 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 subhanallah, not like that like that the shaykh says it's not correct if you're gonna do that then you may as well pick the combination that says 10 10 10 and do it slowly and properly take you the same time instead of doing 33 like that that isn't correct so you do it carefully and slowly if you're in a rush then do the 10 10 10 properly instead on your fingers how do you do it you see it the hand movements of the people they are moving how they are moving think how is it possible he can move his tongue so fast his fingers are moving so fast so that is not correct what the people are doing there Allah Ta'ala a'ala. but how do you do it on your fingers how do you actually physically work it out on your fingers one full hand is 15 so every finger is 3 so you're saying every joint of the finger 1, 2, 3 1, 2, 3 your joints where your creases are one, two, and then the tip three. One, two, and the tip three. So that makes it 15. Of course, yeah, then you go back again and then 33. Possibly, that is narrated. Sheikh Bin Baz did mention that is okay. There is another narration though, which may possibly be stronger. Which is, one finger per one reading. Subhanallah that's one finger. Subhanallah that's another finger. Subhanallah that's another finger. Subhanallah that's another finger. Subhanallah that's another finger. finger. You've now closed your hand and you've got a clenched fist. So one finger per one reading. And in that way it mentions you clench your fist. Every time you finish your fist becomes clenched. Every five it becomes clenched. So that is mentioned as the one per finger and that's outside finger it's mentioned from the outside finger and you come in from the small finger coming in one, two, three, four, five the fist becomes clenched hmm. <coughs> wait, wait, we haven't done that one yet we're jumping ahead questions on today's topic first right hand, it should be on the right hand, those uh, are done, the supplications are done upon the right hand, the general rule is all of the good acts, clear and pure acts and worship are upon the right hand, whereas the left hand is used for cleanliness, cleaning yourself, etc., so generally all these types of things are right hand, it's not correct? The takbir, all of the takbirat, not just the opening takbir. When you raise your hands, the level, the minimum level, is the, equal to your shoulders. People, when they just flick their hands like this, just flick their hands up to their chest, like barely just there, and go, that's not, that's not raf' al Rafa Raf' al is to the shoulder level minimum. Above that, between the earlobe and the shoulder, up to the earlobe, sides, anywhere in that area, that's where the Rafa al is opening takbir and the other takbirat, that's the level where the Raf' al yadain is supposed to be. So people doing it below that, you're not raising your hands properly. That isn't Raf' al yadain properly, do it properly, yes, palms facing towards the Qibla, not like this. People might do this as well, inside your palms coming, palms forward facing, forward facing to the shoulders, or a bit higher to the earlobes, anywhere in that area forward-facing, that's the Yadin. That's Yadain. All incorrect, the, f- the palms forward. <laughs> no, no, but it's not uh, uh, this way, the palms are facing forwards. Last question. It's possible there is a narration about it. It is possible to do al-Yadin at that moment as well. There are some evidences possibly indicating that too. But well, after round-off there, we'll, uh, next week there's no class, remember. Next week is the conference in Cardiff. So everybody, if you can try and get to Cardiff, Friday and Saturday, two-day conference in Cardiff. If you can make it, you should go. Everybody's going to be there. People are going to be attending from all over. There's going to be lectures all day long. Next Friday, this Friday and Saturday coming up now. Friday, Saturday, what's the date? It's going to be 15th and 16th or something? 15th and 16th. Huh? 15th and 16th. This Friday and Saturday coming up now this week. So whoever can make that go there, there will be no class on here on Saturday, inshaAllah. So we're a up on that for